Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the Union Naval. That's to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome to the Alan Nathan Show, where we're at CPAC again, and chaos reigns supreme. I'll get into that in a moment. But first, Alan wishes he could be here, but again, he had his book deadline coming up that he had to work on. Now, we knew in advance that he would not be here today. It was yesterday that we were caught flat-footed. Anyway, though, if Alan were here with us today, here would be his mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedrooms, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. The Alan Nathan Show is a Main Street Radio Network production, so we want to thank the Main Street Radio Network for allowing this program to exist. They have been very good sponsors of this program. Well, sponsors. They've been very good at uh, helping this program to be aired, even though some of their sponsors really have objected to some of the content on the program. And if we told them they were broadcasting at CPAC, they might not be too happy about that. So they've had our backs. Appreciate that. We also thank the Salem Radio Network for distributing this show. Main Street Radio Network can be found at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. And you can also find out about my show, The Silk or Joe Show, up there as well. And you can find them, the, uh, the Main Street Radio Network, that is, on Facebook at Main Street Radio Network or Twitter at Main Street Radio. Or you can find out about The Alan Nathan Show, alannathan.com, or on Twitter at Alan Nathan. And, of course, The Silk or Joe Show can be found on Getter, G-E-T-T-R.com, at Silk or Joe Show. Of relevance to you, Alan Nathan Show listeners, because I do post there when I guest host that I am guest hosting for Alan. So that uh, get some crossover between the listeners. Anyway, at this point, Alan would read his topics. Now, today I had more than half an hour notice, so I will be able to read them because I had them pre-written. CPAC Day 2, government overreach, censorship, and leftist infiltration of our institutions are big among the concerns of attendees. I'll say, actually, big among my concern right now is when you have a guest that doesn't show up. Now, folks, for part one of this, you'll have to wait until next week where you get to hear me run over time with a monologue because the guest didn't show up and she was supposed to sit in on this segment too, but alas, didn't show up for the... Because I'm taping these in a very different order than what you're going to hear them in. I tape this... I'm spoiling a lot here for uh, listeners at home, but alas, we are live at CPAC, so things, certain things have to be done. Certain rules must be broken. In fact, we have a rule being broken in a few seconds because we are going to have a guest on from the same institution twice on the same program we are joined now the first guest from this institution joseph vasquez he is assistant editor of the media research center's free speech america and mnrc business joseph appreciate you being here every day i'm doing well thanks for having me happy to have you so i'm just going to finish up the explanation i'll leave the listeners hanging so i taped my show right before this one even though that show airs march 11th so the the guest who you are filling in for thank you very much for filling in for it for her by the way <laughs> no problem at all so she was supposed to show up for the last segment of that show, which would then be the, and then stick around for the first segment of this one. But then listeners wouldn't hear her first time until next week. <laughs> so <laughs> <That> makes <it's>, sense. <laughs> but so for me, it's like she didn't show up for two segments in a row. But for listeners, didn't show up one week and then didn't show up the next week. So. Oh yikes! Well, <laughs> glad to be here. Yep, happy to have you. So, have you been seeing any media coverage of CPAC? Over the past, uh, I don't know, 24 hours, 48 hours, whatever. <laughs> Any kind of coverage that you're seeing in CPAC, you know, especially from the liberal media, it's, it's, of course, it's biased to the left. It's always going to be heavy critical. You know, they're going to be going after President Trump. They're going to be going after his family. They're going to be going after, you know, this talk about big tech, about big tech censoring the Hunter Biden laptop story. They're going to try to swap that down. I mean, you know, you can't trust the media to be to be um, neutral when it comes to CPAC. It's just. They're, they're going to look for whatever they can to kind of undercut it. So it's mm-hmm. it's typical. <laughs> it's typical stuff. Yeah. No. And just uh, expecting them to say, oh, this is the white supremacist clan gathering or whatever as well. Because they love to say white supremacist. You know, I'm looking around. There's an awful lot of Asians, Hispanics, and African Americans <laughs> who are white supremacists. So How dare we love freedom? Right. <laughs> and I'm Latino. You know, so, I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it's people who care about about their freedom, their free speech rights, and they, you know, they don't want the government breathing down our necks all the time. And you know, that's why we're here. We're here for a common purpose. We want to be able to live our lives without the government, you know, uh, interfering, like, interfering the way it has. And now, with the threat of big tech censorship, 
it's even worse. So I'm like, okay, yeah, guess what? Americans are frustrated. Americans are upset, and we want answers. We want solutions, and that's why we're here at uh, at CPAC. And it seems the the more successful the right is, the harder we press for ensuring people's individual freedoms. The left, who are more <laughs> sensorial and more authoritarian, they just start getting louder and louder and meaner. Oh, absolutely. What they I've been telling I've been telling people this, you know, with this whole thing about the the Twitter files, what's going on with big tech censorship and collusion with the government. We're literally living out the script of 1984. The left realize that if they could, they don't want to debate anymore. They want to control the narrative. They want to control the information flow. So if they do that, they'll be able to influence the way that people think. So anytime that we make a little bit of progress, what are they going to do? They don't want to debate anymore. Now they want to censor you all together. They don't want to just show that your argument is wrong. They want to say, no, you can't even speak. So whether it be on social media or whether it be just in the media, like cancel culture is ridiculous. You know, so it's getting more prevalent. The more that success that the right has, the left is going to get even more apoplectic. Mm-hmm. And the more we point out what they're doing and possibly alienating some of their folks who think that they're on the right, the left is on the right side, the more they'll try and defend it. Gee whiz, uh, I've heard it on the media, and I especially remember reading it in various forums on the web because, of course, I like raising my blood pressure. Um, <laughs> that one of the common defenses is when Republicans or conservatives point out, hey, I'm being censored from this, I'm being banned from that. It's like, well, what did you say? Oh, obviously, what you said must have been something horrible. And like, nothing that you say could possibly and they'll even try and say oh if you are talking about lowering taxes or less government then that's okay but obviously you're saying something else totally different no it's but that's the problem i mean the left you know the the left they have this completely arbitrary standard and so when the right gets censored you know they love that they love the fact that the right is not able to speak and they love the fact that big tech is on their side and i'm like i never thought when i was growing up i never thought i'd see the day where the left is defending a big massive corporations that have the power to influence how people speak on their platforms it's insane i mean orwell is turning over in his grave right now just watching you know you know if he if he were just to see what's going on right now my goodness. I mean, 1984, we need a revision, and it's going to be a lot worse. The script will be a lot worse. Yeah, and for the folks at home who are thinking, well, Orwell was a socialist. Well, yes, he was, but he would be horrified at his people, these self-proclaimed socialists, going out there and doing everything he said is wrong with socialism. Exactly. I mean, guess what? We, you know, freedom of speech, it's a fundamental right. It's how we prove which side which side of the argument's better. But the left has completely abandoned that because, they, you know what? The ideas suck. So instead of just dealing with our argument, they'd rather just silence us altogether. That's why you had the disinformation governance board, you know, that the federal government tried to institutionalize. You know, so, and for, and for what purpose? It's an Orwellian apparatus to censor people. So guess what? Americans are frustrated. Americans are angry. And they want their elected leaders to hold these kinds of entities, these bad actors, accountable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, definitely the media doesn't want that to happen because <laughs> this nope. is their bread and butter. <laughs> this is. Yeah, because they, what happens? They have they have a monopoly control over over the media, you know. So that's why when you look at NBC, ABC, CBS, they are they're considered to be the big three, and everything that they cover is going to be slanted in one direction. So people who are watching them are not going to get the full you know context of the story. They get to choose what parts of the story to leave out. They get to choose how they want to how, how they want it covered. You know, we we at the Media Research Center we published studies on how they how the big three have covered Trump versus Biden. Trump was like over like 90% negative coverage and, and Biden on the other side was 83% positive coverage. I mean, come on, give me a break. I mean, you don't see the bias there? Come on. Right. And heck, we just see it even with the East Palestine story, right? The media, if that were Trump that that happened under. <laughs> Imagine? Jeez. Like within an hour, it would have been on NBC. Breaking news, chemical <laughs> spill, train derailment, all that. But then under Biden... One week later, they shove it in the corner of the evening news and, you know, the transportation secretary gets to go on vacation or whatever. Nobody cares. But it, it, gets, even, it gets even worse than that. The, you even see some media outlets that are trying to blame Trump right. for what happened, even though it's over two years since he left office. Yeah, well, the transportation <laughs> secretary, he led the charge on that one. He said, oh, yeah, we, first of all, he had this pathetic excuse. Oh, yeah, why are we giving this so much coverage? We have 1,000 train derailments every year. <laughs> well, he's been in office for two years. That means there's been, according to him, 2,000 train derailments. He's done nothing about it except paternity leave. It's, it's, it's insanity. And, you know, they, they tried to wield around this this Obama-era rule that, 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 man, that, that established for railways to have electric pneumatic brakes, I think it was. But even PolitiFact, which is ridiculous, it's, it's, it's a misnomer, it's, it's PolitiFake, I like to call it, but even they had to admit that the Obama-era rule that the left is flinging around wouldn't have applied to the East Palestine situation. 
But, I mean, because it's so ridiculous. How in the world are you going to blame Trump using a rule that doesn't even apply to the current situation? But this is what the media does. They don't want the attention to be upon their own policies. They want it to be Trump, 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 Trump. I mean, so it, it's, it's, it's insanity. Well, so they have a stake in this, too, because Biden is their guy. There's that whole revolving door between the Biden administration and the media. So they know... The Biden administration does them favors, they do them favors, and they're the ones who got Biden elected. So if they admit Biden did something wrong, well, there goes their credibility, because they're the one who pushed him over the finish line. Oh, absolutely. And you know, there was another part of the context that I that I found out, was that if you look at the Norfolk Southern Corporation, two of their top shareholders are none other than BlackRock and Vanguard, Amazing. right? ESG, like ESG-obsessed um, investment managers, right, that try to force their left-wing politics on the business world, and yet they own, a big, they are the majority shareholders of the of the railway company that led to, you know, that led to that derailment, wow. leading to toxic spill, and the Perfect. media did not cover that. Why? We'll have to yeah. leave that there, but uh, Joseph Vasquez, appreciate you being on the LA. Thank show. you. Appreciate it. You may have never heard of it, but C. difficile, or C. diff infection, is a highly contagious bacterial infection that the U.S. CDC declared a major public health threat, which results in an estimated half a million infections each year. C. diff infection takes hold in the gut microbiome, and debilitating symptoms may include stomach pain, nausea, fever, and severe diarrhea. If you get C. diff infection once, Dr. Dennis Durrell, Executive Director of Hospital Medicine, American Physician Partners, LLC, says there's a good chance it will come back. Up to 35% of people who get a C. diff infection may get it again. This is called a recurrence. After that first recurrence, up to 65% may get C. diff again. Rebiota is the first and only FDA-approved microbiome-based treatment to prevent recurrent C. diff infection after you've taken antibiotics for recurrent C. diff infection. It's a single-dose treatment administered in minutes during one visit to your doctor's office. Talk to your doctor to find out if Rebiota is right for you. To learn more, visit rebyota.com. Rebiota Fecal Microbiota Live JSLM is indicated for the prevention of recurrence of Clostridioides difficile C. diff infection in individuals 18 years of age and older following antibiotic treatment for recurrent C. diff infection. Limitation of use. Rebiota is not indicated for the treatment of C. diff infection. Important safety information. You should not receive Rebiota if you have a history of a severe allergic reaction, e.g. anaphylaxis, to Rebiota or any of its components. You should report to your doctor any infection you think you may have acquired after administration. Rebiota may contain food allergens. Most common side effects may include stomach pain, 8.9%, diarrhea, 7.2%, bloating, 3.9%, gas, 3.3%, and nausea, 3.3%. Rebiota has not been studied in patients below 18 years of age. Clinical studies did not determine if adults 65 years of age and older responded differently than younger adults. You are encouraged to report negative side effects of prescription drugs to FDA. Visit fda.gov forward slash medwatch or call 1-800-332-1088. Please visit rebiota.com for full prescribing information. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking, but no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times when we were more active and ate more healthy foods and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart and don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. For help keeping yours at a healthy range, text PRESSURE to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, no other veterans organization has provided more real-time ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. 
Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Back to the Alan Nathan Show, everybody. Um, our guests are getting situated right now. Um, so I'm just going to give some instructions. To, we're starting to record right now. So ears on and microphones are queued up. I got to set up the on the air sign as well. All right, so we are joined now. They were all set up by Dr. Heather Gessling. She is CEO COO of the Chief Medical of the Chief Medical Board for the Wellness Company. I don't know, Chief Medical Board didn't sound right. I was, <laughs> but uh, also we have Dr. Jennifer Vanderwater. She is co-founder of the Integrative Therapeutics Board for the Wellness Company as well. So I appreciate you both, doctors, being on the show. How are you today? We are so good. We Thank are great. you for having us. All right, happy to have you. So. Before this, I admit, I had not heard of the wellness company. What do you all do? So we're a virtual telehealth company that was launched in September to be able to help uh, fill the void with being able to provide patients with unbiased care that is patient uh, and physician. um, uh, Sort of the the relationship between the patient and the physician is uh, the core uh, premise of that care instead of the dictates that have been given to us by the government over the last three years and Mm -hmm. to be able to provide patients with the care that they need. I also want to point out one thing that the wellness company does is we're trying to help all people. So we're trying to help people who are suffering from, you know, vaccine injury. We're trying to help people that have long-haul COVID. Um, We're just there for all people with all needs. I got to ask about the vaccine injury, though, because I don't imagine, uh, since we're told that the vaccines don't do that, do do you have trouble with insurance companies actually providing for such medical care? We work cash-based. Okay. Yeah, and we don't submit to insurance. We don't let the insurance dictate to us how we can treat our patients. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah, we had uh, Melissa Ortiz on the Al Nathan Show yesterday about, uh, she's from uh, Able Americans, and she was telling the story about how when she was going through treatments, they were trying to push her towards something, uh, actually toward assisted suicide, even though she had a chance to pull through. And, like, because that was cheaper for the insurance companies oh, to do that. Yeah, for her to just, yeah, not be a burden on the system anymore. Right. That's why we're not part of the system. Mm-hmm. Every individual matters, every life matters, and we're not going to turn anyone away. Yeah, I'm happy there's groups out there like that, especially, you know, not yesterday, but we, I've talked with uh, other folks on the show, or at least my show, the Silver Joe show about this, where just the way the medical industry is. Dr. Solway, that's who it was that I was talking with. I don't know if you all read his book or not that's out. I forgot the title because I didn't think I'd mention his name, but uh, he has this book out and he's talking about the corruption in the medical industry between the insurance industry, pharmaceutical companies. It's like yeah. they all stand to profit by pushing patients in a certain direction and doctors, basically they have to go along with that because their hospitals tell them to. Yeah, if they're, if they're in the system, if they're in the hospital system, the corporate system, if they're using insurance, um, then they're f- pushed by administration and they're pushed by the insurance companies to follow a certain pattern of treatment mm-hmm. and uh, that's I guess that's part of why because if you all decide to hop onto the insurance bandwagon then boom you're you might be subject to the same thing otherwise the insurance companies might say hey we're not going to work with you if you don't work with us yeah exactly right. you get you can be taken off of insurance plans and be decredentialed from insurance plans if you don't meet their criteria and their guidelines for care. So how exactly would someone go to the wellness company and for what uh, treatment or what illnesses should we go to you? So the wellness company is found at twc.health and we have acute care. So someone coming in says, hey, I'm not feeling well. I might need ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. I want to have a conversation with a trusted provider who's not going to turn me away because I'm asking that question. We have those providers there. These are the providers that in the height of COVID were the ones that were prescribing ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine for the patients. So we have acute care. We have packages where we have long-haul COVID, the adverse reaction for vaccine injury if you're concerned. We even have optimized wellness package, which with that package, if you are well and you just want to make sure you're doing everything okay, you can come in, get baseline labs, and talk to a provider. We have freedom from pharma. So if you're concerned that your mainstream provider has over-prescribed medications for you and you want to come in and say, hey, do I need all these medications? Am I, am I on the right path? We have a team of wellness pharmacists who are eager and excited to meet with the patient, start discussing ways to balance their health, and then work with providers to de-prescribe 
um, unnoticed probably yeah. more other <laughs> we have a lot yeah well that's our mission is to be able to get patients off of pharmaceuticals because pharmaceuticals are not improving their health we'd like to restore their health by helping them off of those medications you know it's um, amazing that patients aren't uh, sort of aware of the harms of pharmaceuticals they can create nutrient deficiencies and they can actually lead to other chronic diseases you know statins it puts you at a higher risk for developing diabetes and um, and, and causes a host of other health problems and this is the way it is with many pharmaceuticals so in order to restore a patient's health the first step in my opinion is to be able to help get them off the medications and part of the reason why we end up with the system that we have it's got to put the blame on the fda here because of bought and paid for by big pharma just about i've read exactly. somewhere like 70 percent of the funding somehow gets them through big pharma yep. and then also just for years now because i remember learning about this in college 10 years ago that one of the rules with the FDA is to approve a new drug, it doesn't have to be better. It just has to be as good as something in the past. Yeah, or considered safe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's also incredible what has happened, if I'm allowed to talk about this, what has happened with the vaccine industry. Mm-hmm. You know, all vaccines, um, there's a new book that's come out over the last few months, Turtles All the Way Down, and basically it shows that childhood vaccines have no true safety data. None of them have been tested against placebo. Wow. And so the FDA is approving um, these vaccines to be given to children that don't even have proof of safety. They're just comparing against other vaccines. Now, is this just the COVID vaccines or vaccines nope. in general? Vaccines in general. Wow. Yeah, so for all the talk that uh, you're one of those conspiracy theorists who says vaccines cause autism, well, how do we even know? Because no one's testing it. No one's testing it. Well, in fact, there are physicians across the country that have tested it in their um, populations, their patients, and it shows that those that aren't receiving childhood vaccines have less um, likelihood of all chronic illnesses, neurologic, respiratory, allergic, um, you know, in general, across the board, um, essentially a wide divide between those who receive the normal childhood vaccination schedule and those that don't. Yeah, so that's something parents need to consider, too. And I know that's also a consideration when going, figuring out what school your kid's going to go to, because at least for me, when I was uh, going into middle school, you absolutely need to get your meningitis vaccine, otherwise they weren't going to let you in pretty yeah. much. Yeah, and it's, a, it's, it's something that should be looked into by parents, because there are many states in the country that allow for religious and philosophical exemptions, um, and you're not actually required to have those vaccines to attend school, and many parents don't know. They think that it's just a requirement to attend public schools, but many, many states don't require it. Now, just for the listeners out there, you're all not anti-vaccine entirely. Vaccines do we, work. We just are wanna... pro-science and there pro-safe. Correct. And so what we have learned is at this point in time, we are here for the patient. We're not here for Big Pharma. We're not here for the government. We're here for the patient. And we do actually have a service for vaccine exemptions because of the fact that vaccines are so pushed and um, physicians are um, sort of across the board dismissive of parents that have come in and said, you know, my my child has been injured. And so we are um, offering vaccine exemptions to help um, with this void that exists in this country um, of not listening to parents that are, you know, uh, uh, um, reporting that the uh, vaccines have caused injury. Mm-hmm. Any of the vaccines, including the COVID vaccine. Right. Now then, um, since we only got about 40 seconds left, I just want to, I don't know if you know off the top of your head, the, the prices for the wellness group, how do you all compare to regular insurance? So we're $10 a month um, for membership, and our acute care visits are approximately 65 to $70, um, and we provide labs at cost. Um, and we also provide um, amazing supplements, high, high quality ingredients at a really affordable cost. And we're actually going to launch a new membership in a couple of weeks that's going to provide unlimited care and unlimited supplements for right. a really great price. Well, we got nine seconds left, so give us the website once again. TWC.health. All right. Dr. Heather Gessling and Dr. Jennifer Vanderwater, appreciate you being on the Al Nathan Show today. Listeners, more to come. Thank you. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common. But after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day and on random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? 
author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along on this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. The new Mayo Clinic diet has been named among the top diets by U.S. News and World Report. Dr. Donald Hensrud, medical director of the Mayo Clinic Healthy Living Program, explains what makes their program so effective. Our new Mayo Clinic diet, built by a team of doctors and medical experts, focuses less on counting calories and more on empowering users with the knowledge and ability to maintain a healthy weight. Members get access to exclusive content and videos from real Mayo Clinic doctors, healthy recipes, tracking tools, and the popular Habit Optimizer that helps users substitute old unhealthy habits with healthier ones, all through a mobile app. Instead of fad diets or crash diets that rarely work for very long, our book and online program and app helps you adopt principles for a healthier way of life, which is really the secret to long-term success. Curious to know how healthy your diet is? The Mayo Clinic has an easy three-minute quiz. Go to mayoclinicdiet.com to find out. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. This forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Play in puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Glowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Alan Nathan Show, buddy. Soaker Joe Show co-host Joe still filling in for Alan while he's working on his books. That's why he's not here at CPAC with us today. And I think by saying that, I just gave away that this is happening five hours earlier than you're hearing it, which is still better than my show, which I taped earlier before this show, but doesn't air until March 11th, so go figure. But we are joined right now, speaking of things that haven't happened in a while, Dr. Roger Klein. He has not been on the show, as far as I could tell, since April of last year. So 
great we are able to rectify that here. He is a healthcare expert for the Federalist Society's Regulatory Transparency Project. He has also worked on many advisory and policy-related governmental and professional society committees for such groups as the Department of Health and Human Services, the Food and Drug Administration, and the Centers for Disease, Drug Control, and Prevention, and, of course, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Dr. Klein, always happy to have you. How are you today? Yeah, hi, Joe. Thanks, thanks for having me on. All right, happy to have you. So we're talking now about this chemical abortion case before the Supreme Court. I, neither I nor Alan have actually talked about this a little bit. What's going on with it? Yeah, yeah so it's not actually in the Supreme Court. It's in the district-level court. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, it's a lawsuit um, by a group of health care providers challenging the approval of a drug that used uh, the, kind of the chemical name is RU486. Uh, it's a drug that actually does a, you know, does a chemical abortion. It blocks a hormone called progesterone that, uh, that, you know, that makes, the, makes the fetus uh, detach from the, the wall of the, uh, of the uterus, and, uh, and there's another drug in there that expels it. So it's a chemical abortion. Uh, what they're alleging is, is that the drug was improperly, that FDA improperly approved uh, uh, the drug under its regulations, because the regulations for the type of approval it had refer to illnesses, and pregnancy is not an illness. So that's one of the key points to the lawsuit, is that uh, it was approved on the basis of a severe life-threatening illness, uh, which pregnancy is not. Wow. So the, the talk that I've been hearing about, it, just you know, whenever I've seen a headline about it, it's more like a ban unilat- universally on chemical abortion drugs in general, as opposed to being a ban just on these specific things for this specific reason. Now, this is a, a lawsuit specific to the facts of this case. I, I mean, I, I, um, I, I'm not involved in it. I moderated a session with the attorney who's representing uh, uh, the plaintiffs in the case. Again, a, a group of healthcare uh, organizations and providers, uh, uh, OBGYNs, uh, who have used uh, or have seen patients uh, who have had issues from the drug. And they're, they're basically alleging, um, in addition to saying that the, the basis for the approval was incorrect because... The, the the nature of the approval had to be uh, had to refer, uh, in the in the text of the regulations says uh, severe life threatening illnesses. Uh, the, the, you know they're they're alleging that the, that the, the the controls and uh, uh, restrictions on the drug are um, are are inadequate to protect uh, women girls uh, who who may receive the these drugs. And I think um, it. It's gone through. A, it's a complex case because the, the drug was approved. I don't know, 20 years ago, and they, and they're, they've had a number of iterations. And they started out with more stringent re, uh, restrictions that have subsequently been relaxed uh, to the point where you know you can. I think in some states you can get get these drugs through telemedicine by mail. You know. Oh wow! Yeah, that's uh, the way these chemicals have with all the side effects they have. Definitely, it's not something you want drugs through mail. Um, I, you know, I, I, I guess I, I, you know, what I would say is I think that um, uh, to the extent that drugs, a state makes drugs like these legal, I think that they're best provided under the supervision of a healthcare professional. There, you know, there is, there's always a risk when you're, when you're doing, um, you know, when you're, when you're aborting a, a, a fetus and um, you, uh, there, there's a risk in, in, in that process in addition to the risk in addition to what's happening with overall which you know which is obviously objectionable to many people uh, but but I think I think it's also there are also risks to the person taking the medication who who may and they may not be aware or understand depending on the setting what what exactly they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when we were told that abortions, uh, Democrats didn't want to have them all frivolous, they wanted safe, legal, and rare, this doesn't sound safe. You know, the, look, the drug's been used for many years. It's been used in Europe. Um, it doesn't always work, and there are definitely complications. And I think, I think that um, to the extent it's legal to use the drugs, there, there are restrictions on the, the, the timing when you can use it, how early mm-hmm. in the pregnancy. So early in the pregnancy, the risks are much lower. You know, so in the right away, they're much less than than uh, than uh, farther out, and they're limited to ten weeks. Uh, the approval it started at seven, and they subsequently moved it to to ten weeks. 
uh, which you know, which makes a difference. Uh, I, I think, I, you know, again, I think that to the extent these drugs are are, are legal, I, you know, I think they should be uh, administered under supervision. Oh, sorry, my phone just went off there. Someone's trying to get in touch with me. I'm on the air. Anyway, yeah, there definitely needs to be this supervision because that's how you get to the safe part of safe, legal, and rare. It does women no good if you're pro-choice and all that because you believe in feminism. If you're saying, okay, I'm pro-choice, that means you get to take this drug with no doctor's supervision, probably maybe even not able to understand everything it could do to you. And it really hurts the woman in that process because they might not even be aware that they have something going wrong that that drug specifically they should not be taking it. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's that's right. You you know, in in theory, they, they're supposed to have engagement of a healthcare prof- professional, a physician. Um, you know, even not see they've relaxed it to the point you don't even have to be a medical doctor. And you know, I think I, in my view as a physician, I I think something of this. Uh, the seriousness of, of this type of um, procedure uh, needs to be uh, needs to have, have heavy engagement of a medical doctor, and you know, and when these when these when it doesn't work, you know, there's there's a chance that you have to go in and have a sur- surgical procedure. You need access to emergency care, et cetera. And I think you know, the other issue is you know teenage girls. I mean, can you just without your parents knowing? Can you just obtain mm-hmm. these drugs somehow through we, we've had a lot of issues telemedicine's really great it's been terrific with covid and helping in a lot of ways but it does open up avenues and we've seen areas of abuse for example in certain types of stimulant drugs that have been sold and, and so you worry that uh is there a possibility that um that that telemedicine could be used for example uh, to um, in a manner that maybe wouldn't be safe, and and you know ma- maybe minors would be getting these drugs without having you know even adult supervision, much less uh, true medical uh, supervision. So again, you know you worry about uh, these types of things happening, which unfortunately um, in healthcare you know it's uh, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for, um, for 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 practices that that may not be optimal. Mm-hmm. All right, so just to wrap up the chemical abortion case then, you have the uh, folks out there, sky is on fire, end of all abortions now, because they got Roe v. Wade overturning some, and then now no chemical ones either. Not true, right? Oh, I don't I don't think that that's, that's the case. But, you know, according to, uh, you know, Guttmacher, you know, there are over half of abortions are done chemically now. But I don't, even, even if, for example, this, the approval was rescinded, it doesn't mean it, they wouldn't, there wouldn't be another way to... Uh, approve the drug. I, I don't think this is a question of get abortion or no abortion. Uh, I think the and according certainly according to the attorney uh, who was representing the the plaintiffs, this is a fact specific uh, case uh, based upon the nature of the approval that FDA uh, pursued and and um, and whether uh, whether uh, appropriate procedures were followed and and, and whether uh, whether there's uh, maximal safety as required under uh, the regulations. I will hopefully a more reasoned opinion as opposed to the sky and fire headlines will prevail. Otherwise, we might see the same chaos we saw after the Roe v. Wade overturning. I'm going to move on because you did a lot of research thinking we were going to go into the COVID topic. We got about two minutes left here. So I remember the last time I was at a CPAC, it was here in 2020, right as COVID was outbreaking. In fact, uh, there was COVID that got loose among the population here. Uh, now we're apparently having concerns about a new variant coming out. What's going on with this? Yeah, I mean, I think so. So I think we, you know, we're kind of uh, we've gotten to the point now where we're expecting a big surge in the winter, and we didn't have the big surge in the winter. We've got way, way much better in terms of hospitalizations and and illnesses, and really we've we, through immunity both. Uh, infection, previous infection, which some call natural immunity, and vaccination, we've gotten to the point where there's so many people who have some level of immunity that people really aren't getting super sick. Plus, we've got good drugs like Paxlovid that, you know, for, for those who need it. So, yeah, some people are still uh, dying from it. Yeah, you know, you worry maybe in the future some, some variant can come out. But what's really happening is it's kind of converting into a standard garden variety respiratory virus, you know, like influenza, which also can be extremely dangerous. uh, But, you know, for the most part, we we don't fear it and we, uh, you know, we go on with our lives. Mm -hmm. So 45 seconds left here. Uh, You'd say then uh, 
is it about time we give up uh, at least the people, governors and presidents, you know, who have their COVID emergency powers still in place? Are we a bit beyond that point? I, I think we should be. I think as a society, and I, of course I've said, you know, I've wanted us to move on previously, but, you know, I, th- I think what we found is as mu- much of what we did didn't work and in fact was counterproductive and I think I think we need to go on with our lives you know we've got we've got so much to be happy about so much to look forward to and uh, and we're past this uh, you know life always has uh, has diseases you can always get the flu you can get this now there's other things you can get but we need to move on and 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 move forward all right dr. Roger Klein he's a healthcare expert for the Federalist Society's regulatory project appreciate you being on the Al Nathan show today thank you so much In December, LastPass, a popular app for managing passwords, suffered a security breach, potentially exposing millions of people's personal information. When a business created to protect passwords gets hacked, it's a reminder how vulnerable our sensitive information can be when stored in the cloud. And for businesses who need to protect data, security is a top concern. To help prevent security risks, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud recently introduced a password manager. Jump Clouds Antoine Jabara. Businesses cannot always rely on an offline solution as users need to share and access passwords across multiple devices, and cloud based options aren't ideal either. Jump Cloud Password Manager takes a hybrid approach, storing data on users' devices and seamlessly syncs user vaults to multiple devices in an end to end encrypted way. This addresses some of the limitations of cloud based systems and bridges the gap between convenience and security. To learn more, visit jumpcloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you want to support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting Paralyzed Veterans of America. Our vets need you. I'm a quadriplegic. I'm definitely at risk with my diminished lung capacity. 
I have MS. I'm in a wheelchair and I can't leave the house because I have a compromised immune system. I'm very concerned about would there be a bed for me? Would there be a ventilator for me? Would I be able to survive something? It's, it's just heavy. You know, it's, it's a heavy, it's a heavy moment. This is a war. This really is. Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for them. I am so grateful for the PVA. They're making sure that we have all of the food and supplies that we need right now. We all gotta help each other right now. We can't get through this by ourselves. It's with profound gratitude that you're gonna be saving our lives. To find out how you can help, please go to helppva.org. That's H-E-L-P-P-V-A dot org. Welcome back to the Al Nathan Show, wrapping up another hour of the program here at CPAC. Of course, we're recording on March 3rd for anyone who's catching this uh, at some other later point. And actually, anyone is because we're recording five hours earlier than this airs. I had to violate the oath that we never say such things earlier on the program, so i got to repeat it now. But uh, we actually have two guests who were kind enough to join us and agree to discuss the same topic. We have first uh, the first one book, that is Nicholas Giordano. He is a fellow with Campus Reform and Professor of Political Science at Suffolk Community College, also host of the PAS Report podcast. And then the second in booking order, we have Dr. Cassiopeia Fletcher. She is assistant to the president at Moms for America. So welcome both to the show. Doctor, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm actually not a doctor yet. Oh, I just said PhD on your LinkedIn. So. Oh, I'm in the process. Oh, well. But oh. that sounds really cool, and I'm all for that. There you go. <laughs> yes, it does. And it also would have meant that we've had three doctors on it, four doctors on in a row on this program. Oh, <laughs> so. my bad. I broke your streak. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Nicholas, you have a master's at the very least. Correct. I, I have, I'm not a PhD person. So. <laughs> all right, so. One thing, though, that we have been discussing on this program today and yesterday is the problem in institutions of higher learning. I imagine that uh, on your ways to your doctorate or to your master's degrees, you must have seen something of that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, we were just talking about how insane it has gotten, mostly in the last, like, five to six years. It did not, it wasn't as bad when I started as in an academic in 2008-ish it's one of those things. So I began teaching 2006, and over the years, it's gotten progressively worse as far as academia and what they're pushing on the student body. I mean, one of the amazing parts, when I went to school, I had left-wing professors. I had communist professors, but they respected debate. They liked dialogue. They were masters at a craft of education, and they were masters in their subject field. Today, you have a bunch of ideologues that are trying to push a political agenda on students, and we're seeing it with diversity, equity, inclusion, and social justice requirements being, being built into every degree program, whether it's engineering, political science, biology. So really, it does a disservice to the institutions of higher education. Yeah, it really does, and it's not, it doesn't just start in college. You know, these kids are coming to these universities having been trained to think in this crazy hive mind of, of this is the way that you're supposed to think. And when I teach my classes and I tell them that, you know, we are here to learn critical thinking and to learn how to think and why you think the way that you do, they look at me like it's like this whole deer in headlights thing. Like, what are you talking about? Think for myself. And, and it's not everybody, but it's, it's prevalent enough that I have to spend, it feels like the first quarter of my semester trying to get these kids to think outside of what they've been taught to think. Oh, yeah, and just it seems yeah, more focus on indoctrination as opposed to thinking for yourself because I guess it makes the teacher's job easier, you know, sit down, shut up, listen to what I say, don't question it, and we'll both get through this nine-to-five job that I have. Right. And i got to imagine teachers' unions have been had a role in this as well, just uh, makes it their jobs easier, right? Well, I would say that the shift that we've seen is that it's gone beyond indoctrination. When you're introducing complex theories to children that are kindergartners, first graders, second graders, that's not indoctrination. That's brainwashing. You know, a seven, eight-year-old child is not going to be able to push back on gender theory. They're not able to critically think for themselves. And so by the time they do get to the college level, they have trouble reading and writing, but they're going to know all the different pronouns that exist. Yeah. And that's not going to serve them well in life. It's not, and it's it's doing them a disservice because they think that when they get to college and they, they just keep regurgitating this garbage and then they get out into the real world and they're like, excuse me, why aren't you 
you know, catering to me the way I've been taught that you're supposed to cater to me. Well, the problem is that some people are, but most people don't. And it's not because they want to oppress you and it's not because they want you to feel bad about who you are. It's because this is the business world and they're trying to run a business and they don't necessarily have time to care what your pronouns pronouns are. Yeah, or cater to your special interest. In fact, if you spend all the time and money and effort catering to these people's whims, how are you going to run your business? Exactly. You're going to be out of money and out of time. And I, I, I think part of this also is that uh, the sort of dumbing down of the kids that we have, you know, instead of figuring out, okay, we have deficiencies in math, deficiencies in reading. These are things that are supposed to be gender neutral. Everybody can do them. There's not any impression in there. Now, everyone is supposed to be able to get out doing those equally. But instead of figuring out why are some groups not able to do it as equally as others, it's just, okay, let's just lower the standards. Yeah. Well, that's been a problem with it, just cycling students through. I mean, we see it with the coronavirus, right? We saw the largest learning loss gap since recorded history of grading, and yet they were all cycled through to the next grade. I mean, I have students, and this has been going on pre-COVID, so I don't want to blame it all on COVID. They can't even pass a basic citizenship exam. They can't even identify the United States Constitution. They'll have all these different opinions on the issues, but they don't know what institution is responsible for what. So in, instead of pushing social justice and gender theory down their throats, maybe we should actually just teach them the basics of how government functions and works and what their civic role is. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. And, and a lot of the times, these, these standards that have been set... They've, they're, you're right, they've been lowered, and they've been lowered to account to, quote, the lowest common denominator. And, and they're, they're saying, you know, we have to slow down for the slow-learning kids. And most of the time, it, they're not slow-learning kids, because people equate it with that if you're slow at learning, it, it, it's basically a nicer way of saying that these kids are dumb. And they're not. It's, they're not being taught the way they need to learn. I was a, a right-brained learner, and I was told that I was slow. Um, I, I had a teacher straight to my face tell me that I was stupid and I would never amount to anything. I would never go to college. I'd be lucky if I graduated high school. And, I mean, talk about motivation, right? And and it, was, it wasn't because I, could, I was a slow learner. It wasn't because I was stupid. It was because I learned differently, and they didn't have time to figure out how I learned so that they could help me succeed. Instead, they just dropped me to lower and lower and lower classes and said, well, if you're not going to rise to the challenge, we're just going to stop dealing with you. And so I, I would be dropped in math classes over and over and over again just as I was starting to understand, just as I was getting to that point where I could really get it, and then they would drop me, and I'd be like, well, then what's the point? I already know all of this stuff. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't continue, you know? Yeah. And it just seems, like I said earlier, the making it easier for the teachers to do their jobs, which is, well, let me phrase that, making their jobs easier for them, but not yeah. making it easier for them to do. Yeah. But I remember during COVID, that was one of the actual goals that they were trying to get uh, in some cases. I think it was in Pennsylvania where people started being allowed back in schools the teachers like went on strike and said we aren't going in you have a, like a teacher's aide and the teacher is working remotely while all the students and some aide are in the classroom yeah I think that was mostly in urban centers because a lot of teachers they wanted to get back into the classroom because they knew that their job is actually going to be harder because these students are so far behind and they're going to have to figure out a way to catch those students up and give them the new material, and unfortunately... Uh-oh. Well, i got to cut you off there, because we are just about out of time, like 20 seconds away. Not but a problem. Nicholas Giordano with Campus Reform and Casey Fletcher, assistant to the president at Moms for America. Appreciate you both being on the Al Nathan Show today. Listeners, thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Thank you. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com.